Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. We are a Jesus-centered community in El Mirage, Arizona. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. Well, as a result of uh, suffering two German invasions after World War II, France embarked on an ambitious undertaking uh, to protect its borders from future German aggression. And their solution was to build uh, a series of bunkers or forts uh, along the uh, French-German border. Uh, it was no, known as the Maginot Line. Uh, its concrete in these bunkers was thicker. Its guns were bigger. Uh, several of the, the rooms underground were air-conditioned. There were connecting rail systems that could quickly move troops, uh, all to protect France from future invasion. And the war to end all wars was good only in name because Hitler went on a land grab, uh, sparking World War II, and in his sights was the country of France. Now, at this point, France had an impressive defense along the French-German border, but as you can see there, it had absolutely nothing along the France-Belgium border. And so May 10th, 1940, the Germans uh, invaded Belgium, and two days later, they rolled across the, French, the France-Belgium border and rolled right into France. Their large guns, their cannons that were capable of mass destructions were, uh, destruction was of no use as they were pointed the wrong direction and they were encased in cement, and so they quickly moved through. Well, we're in week number five of our series called Forgotten Realm, where we are pulling back the curtain and kind of looking at the forgotten supernatural realm, the realm that is often ignored, the realm of uh, angels and demons and spiritual warfare and, and, and things uh, like that. Uh, scripture speaks of a common theme where it says that the world is engaged in a cosmic war in the supernatural realm between a myriad of ang- uh, agents, both human and angelic both good and evil, and have aligned themselves with either God or Satan. This means that since uh, the beginning of time, or really for humans, from cradle to grave, every human being being since uh, the foundation of creation, uh, every human that has drawn breath has been pushed into a war zone of sorts, a battle zone. Ephesians 6 speaks of this where it says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers in this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. This is a warfare worldview that we've been talking about extensively uh, in this series, and it is the warfare worldview that we see throughout Scripture. It is the assumption of every biblical writer, uh, including the teachings of Jesus, that creation has been seized by a cosmic force that opposes the things of God and all that is good and all that is righteous. And so uh, there is a spiritual element behind what we experience, meaning that while people can be wicked and selfish and evil and vindictive, Paul tells us in this passage that there is actually a, a, a larger force behind those individuals, that your battle is not with flesh and blood, meaning if it has flesh and blood, they are not your enemy, that there is a greater evil that we do battle with. And so the purpose of Ephesians 6 is to prepare 
followers of Christ for a spiritual war so that we do not enter into this battle, much like the French did, with our guns facing the wrong direction and encased in cement. See, if, if we miss this idea of, of this warfare worldview, we may very well go to engage an enemy on the wrong front against the wrong enemy and spend all of our time thinking that we're fighting against the enemy when the real enemy is actually coming up our flank and will roll through our lives. And so the purpose of Ephesians is to, is to prepare us this, because the reality is that every day there is a war against our marriages, against our kids, against our health, against our reputations, against our faith. And without this proper worldview, we can be left uh, defending or fighting the wrong enemy on the wrong front. Now today, uh, we're going to talk about a topic that might stretch you. Uh, it might be a little odd for you. We're going to talk about uh, demons today and uh, demonic activity. But before we continue on this topic, I want to make sure that we kind of set a ground rule. And I want us to make sure that we understand that not every bad thing that happens is caused by demons. And so if you woke up and you're having a bad hair day today, that's not the demon of bad hair. All right, don't rebuke the bad hair demon. If you can't fit into your pants, don't blame it on demon weight. It's not demon weight, okay? Uh, got a flat tire, even a flat tire coming to church, don't blame it on the demonic if your tires were installed in 2002. There are other issues. That's on you, okay? If your kids are cranky, it's not because there's demonic activity. It's probably just because they're teenagers. That's just what they do. All right, so I want to I kind of approach this with balance, um, but I want us to see what Scripture has to say regarding our topic of demons and demonic activity. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8 today. We'll put it on the screens. It says this, they sailed from the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. And when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs, or he was living in a cemetery. Now, people often ask, uh, how do I know if I'm dealing with demons? Let me tell you, uh, if you meet someone who's naked in a cemetery, pretty good chance, all right? Something odd's going on there. And so this guy, no clothes, living in a cemetery. Jesus comes up, he sees Jesus coming, and he approaches Jesus. Now the passage says that he was demon-possessed. Uh, the word uh, is actually daimonizomai, uh, which kind of has a broader meaning of just being under the influence of a demon. And so when we think about demonic possession, it kind of limits, you know, fits us in this little box. We think of the exorcist and stuff like that. But really, the, what Scripture is talking about is just being under the influence of a demon, which has a much broader uh, meaning. And so people will always ask, well, can Christians be possessed uh, by demons? And if you are a Christian, uh, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you are now owned and operated by Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus is in you. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence in you. And so uh, while you cannot be possessed, you can't be possessed by Jesus and the demon, uh, Christians can be demonized, so to speak. That uh, in the, this term in the Greek, that we can be under demonic influence, um, 
in areas of life that have not fully been surrendered to Christ or strongholds or patterns of thinking or sin patterns or attitudes or behaviors that are being acted upon uh, by a demonic force in a demonic realm, so to speak. And so we're going to continue to unpack this. Verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out with a loud voice. Uh, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus has commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Now, this is an uncommon example of uh, demonic activity. So understand that when the gospel writers wrote about the activities of Jesus, they took the activities that were dramatically highlight the power and the authority of Christ. And so we can be sure that not every demonic encounter looked to this degree, right? Uh, But this is certainly one of the uh, narratives that we have in the Gospel of Luke. Now, what comes up often when we talk about this topic, if people will uh, ask me, do I or have I personally had any experience with demons? Uh, and I have. Uh, when I was 20, I think I dated one for about six months, but that's a whole other story. Um, but uh, this, this idea of uh, demons or the demonic, I have had um, numerous times, numerous times, praying for people where there has been some type of demonic activity that has taken place. I would venture to say that if you pray for people long enough, and if you pray with authority, and if your worldview will allow you to see it, because oftentimes we write off the demonic as Hollywood fairy tales, but if you pray for people long enough, you will run across this type of thing. It's not that uncommon uh, and we're going to unpack this as, as, as we go. But what I've seen when praying for people, uh, praying for the presence of Jesus to come, praying for the Holy Spirit to come, oftentimes there will be some type of physical response that will occur. Uh, oftentimes it's some type of tick where they'll be praying head down and suddenly they'll just kind of twitch a little bit. Now, you don't automatically assume that that's demonic. Maybe they got the cold chills because they need to go to the bathroom. I don't know. But it's at least something that's causing me to think, all right, what's happening here? It's why when you pray for people, I'd strongly suggest you pray with your eyes open because you want to actively see what's happening. See what God is doing. See what's resonating with them while you're praying for them. See if anything is starting to uh, surface or be flushed out. And so I would encourage you, pray with your eyes open. So uh, often, um, I shouldn't say often, but I've had numerous experiences like this, praying for someone and suddenly there would be some type of tick some type of uh, outward manifestation where suddenly they're not comfortable. Uh, they may not want to be in the room anymore. They become very fidgety. Um, I've seen people um, feel like they're being choked and they can't breathe. And you'll just ask them what's going on. And suddenly like, I, just, I, I feel like I'm not getting enough air in. Uh, these are often indicators that something is taking place, right? There's, there's something demonic that very well may be happening. Uh, I've seen people become strangely tired to where it doesn't matter what you try, they're literally falling asleep in the chair as you're talking to them, right? I mean, they, you can't keep them way worse than you are when I'm preaching, right? Some of you, I know you fall asleep, but uh, I've seen them become overly tired. It's just strange. It happens instantly where suddenly they can't stay awake. 
Um, sometimes it's an overwhelming sense of fear that comes over someone. Um, uh, now, ha- have, they, have the events been like The Exorcist uh, with green projectile vomiting? Yes. No, it hasn't been anything like that. But there has been times where there actually has been vomiting. Uh, that, that has gone on. Thankfully not on me. I don't like germs, but there has been uh, vomiting at times. Uh, was there some strange things that took place? Uh, talking or growling in another voice. I've seen it numerous, numerous, numerous times uh, of where something comes over the individual, eyes fluttering in the back of their head, uh, prayed for someone, uh, you know, where it's not all that uncommon. Some praying for someone and uh, the person we were praying for said to the person in the group, I know you, you're supposed to be dead. Uh, looked right at him and said that. And my response was afterwards, I was like, better you than me. That's what I told him. I was like, have at it, right? Uh, and we laughed about it. But, you know, um, it's not all that uncommon. Smoke screens or threats. I've had um, people that we were praying for, um, you know, going way back in my life, say things like, um, you know, what's coming is going to hurt you and you don't understand what you're dealing with and trying to bring a lot of fear uh, into this thing. And uh, I've seen screaming and writhing in pain and flopping on floors and violent shaking and a violent reaction uh, to the name of Jesus. Now, in our Western worldview, this is all really strange to us, right? This is Hollywood uh, fiction type stuff. But Scripture's really clear that this is the reality that we live in. We live in a fallen world world and there is a supernatural realm that has battles engaging constantly battles between good and evil between light and darkness between the kingdom of god and the kingdom of darkness and we are in that battle now we're going to talk more about that here in just a little bit but i also want to draw your attention to that one last part of scripture where it says that he was driven by the demon into a solitary uh, place I've noticed that the more influence someone is under, uh, the more demonic influence that they are under, the more that they withdraw from healthy relationships and will withdraw especially from the things of God or the people of God or the community of God because they're kind of being pushed out. They're being driven away from the community of God and where the presence of God dwells anything that is beneficial of relationship, there's just something in them. They don't even understand what's happening, but they're being isolated and pushed off and secluded uh, into a solitary place, which is why, as a church community, we have to be uh, aware and engage people that when they leave the church, now I'm just not saying they're leaving because they're going to another church, but sometimes people will drift away from the community completely and there is a demonic element behind them that's, that's isolating them and trying to get them alone because the, the presence of God and the people of God are aggravating and stirring it up. And so understand that, that this is a common uh, occurrence. And so Scripture tells us that this uh, demon would drive him into solitary, solitary places. All right, verse 30. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them into the abyss. So the story takes a strange twist. Now a single demon becomes plural. It's multiple demons. Uh, a legion was the largest military unit in the uh, uh, Roman army, uh, usually consisted of between four and 6,000 soldiers. Uh, and a legion had a very specific responsibility. They were 
uh, spaced throughout the vast Roman Empire. Uh, and when a, when a legion showed up, you knew there was trouble because their job was to keep the peace, to put down any insurrections, uh, to squash any rebellion. And so in a very real sense, this demon is somewhat saying, we are occupying this host just as the Romans are occupying this land. This is what they're, they're, they're telling Jesus. Verse 32. And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. Why? Well, we're not sure. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and the herd was drowned. And all I can think of is what a waste of bacon, right? right? That's some good bacon right there. Possibly the most bizarre narrative in scripture. Look, if you're going to make up a story, you're not making this up, right? This is bizarre. Way more questions than answers. Why did it happen? Luke doesn't say. He's just kind of reporting what he's been told. And so we're left scratching our head like, this is really weird. I mean, it doesn't theory tell us that animals can be demonized, specifically pigs, and I think cats probably are the two that have demons in them. I'm joking on that one. Verse 34. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. What an odd response, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and he left. Now, understand that in this region was largely pagan, and so they viewed this event through their worldview. And so suddenly here's this guy who's been demonized. They've all seen him for, you know, however long he's been in the community. They all, you know, knew about Uncle Joe lived out in the cemetery somewhere, naked. And suddenly he's brought back into, into health. They viewed this event through their pagan worldview, which said and the only way that he was healed was through some type of sorcery. And so suddenly they're thinking, this isn't a good thing for us, right? They weren't viewing this through the power of God overcoming darkness. They were seeing this as some type of sorcery. And then you add in there that Matthew says there was about 2,000 swine. They lost a large chunk of commodity right there. So they weren't too happy. And so their response was, Jesus, can you leave before you do any more damage? And Jesus is like, all right, if that's what you want, gets in a boat and he leaves. And look at verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. Uh, But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, you go and tell your community this was not magic. This was not sorcery. This was the power of God. And we've been talking about spiritual warfare. That's what Jesus demonstrated his whole life. The power of God overcoming the darkness that has set itself up over creation. 
every healing, every uh, person he brought back to life, every teaching to love instead of hate, every time he tore down racism and elitism, every time he tore down a patriarchal system that abused women, every time he, he taught about the kingdom, every time he came against darkness was Jesus saying, I am the strong man and I am overcoming the one who has set himself up in this world. And so Jesus was saying, look, you go and tell the community, this wasn't sorcery, sorry about the pigs, this wasn't sorcery, sorcery, this was the power of God living among you. Now, that's gonna, we're going to talk about that here in, in, in just a little bit. So, all right, let's try to pull out some, some thoughts on this. This next section I've called Deep Thoughts with Pastor Marty. Uh, and I chose that on purpose because I want to keep this somewhat light because I know some of you are thinking this topic is way close to Halloween and you're freaking me out right now, right? So we're going to keep it deep thoughts with Pastor Marty, all right? Here's my thoughts on the passage. First thing I want you to know is demons are real. I know it's the thing of Hollywood and CG effects and we've written it off to fairy tales and folklore and, and stuff like that, but... If we're going to take a scriptural worldview, and part of, our, uh, part of my hope for you as, as being part of Reveal is, you know, one of the hills we die in is to seek truth, is that your worldview would be biblical, meaning that how you view and interpret the events of life would be birthed through a biblical worldview. And scripture is really clear on this idea of demons and the demonic. Uh, demons are real. Now, in our Western worldview, I know we struggle with that. And since the age of reason, since the Enlightenment, uh, we've been taught to interpret events naturally. Naturalism in philosophy is the idea of belief that only natural as opposed to supernatural or spiritual laws uh, and forces operate in the world. The system of thought that all phenomena can be explained in terms of natural causes. Can you go to that next slide there, Wayne? In terms of natural causes and laws. And so I realize that we look at most events in life and we try to put a natural cause, a natural reason to it. But Scripture says, man, there is spiritual activity at work among us and to be aware of it. And so Scripture tells us there are spiritual forces at play, that the world is populated by supernatural agents, both angelic and demonic, and the cosmos is populated by individual or invisible agents with spiritual powers and authority. And this is the environment that we've been dropped into. So understand, first thing, demons are real. Second, understand that demons are real and inflict suffering. Their mission is crystal clear. They want to disrupt your life, right? John 10.10, the, the, the purpose is to steal, kill, and to destroy. They want to steal anything good that God wants to deposit in you, Satan and his demonic forces want to pull it out of you, right? They want to kill your hopes and your future and your dreams. They want to destroy your family. They want to destroy your reputation. They want to destroy your testimony. They want to destroy your legacy. They want to destroy your faith. That is the only purpose why they exist. And so when Satan, if you, you read about the, the fall of Satan and his, and his demonic beings, you know, if, if, if they, they couldn't uh, if they lost that first cosmic battle, their role is now is we're taking as many people down as we can. And that is the force that comes against us. Now in sports, uh, game film is used to know your opponent and to know their weaknesses and to exploit their weaknesses. 
In a very real sense, demons know your game film. Meaning they study and watch and they know where our weaknesses are and they will exploit it. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, 26, hey, do not give the devil an opportunity because he will take the smallest opportunity and he will exploit it into something bigger. And so maybe your weakness is material possessions. They will understand that and they will exploit that area of your life. How uh, demons are going to come against you to do harm to you is going to look different on how they're going to come against me because what tempts me may be different than what tempts you. And so they will constantly be trying to lure you away from the things of God. Maybe your weakness is you're vulnerable to skin. And they will make sure there is always something for you to look at. There's always a temptation. Always something to lure you away. Maybe uh, you're seeking spiritual enlightenment. And they will lead you down a road of spiritual enlightenment, but it will be void of Jesus. They'll lead you down a road of the occult and mediums and psychics and horoscopes, but they will keep you far from Jesus because they know your weakness. They know what you're looking for, and they will exploit those areas. Maybe your weakness is a relationship, and you just have to be with someone, uh, and they will understand that. Demonic forces will use those areas in your life to pull you away from the things of God, to inflict harm on your life. It could be an area of pain in your life, possibly not even something that you've done. It may be something that was done to you. And they will find that area and they will exploit it time and time and time again. Because not everything that is happening can be defined by natural laws and natural systems. There is a spiritual realm that is coming against us. Their attack is never obvious. They're sly. They're subtle. They're tricky. Second Corinthians says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light, meaning that new relationship may sound good. It may feel good, but you're being lured away. You know, that temptation at work with that little flirtation, it feels so good, but you're being lured away. That, that little bit of bitterness that you hang on to, that I have a right to be bitter because of what they've done to me, and it feels right, but you're being lured away. This is what I've seen so often is parents that want to be good parents will, 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 will go overboard in putting their kids in activities that provides no space for anyone in the family to be part of the Christian community anymore. Look, if your kids have games on Sunday, I want you to be at your kids' games. But you also need to be aware that to put your kids and your family in a situation that you're going to be out of the, the, the church community for four or five months at a time just understand that you may be being lured a little at a time, right? And it sounds good and it feels good and it feels like it's light and it feels like it's right, but it's possible, it's possible that we're being played. I mean, how quickly have I heard people who say, well, so-and-so made me angry in church and they got me mad and so I'm leaving the church. You do realize that there's a spiritual element behind that. You do realize that your battle's not against flesh and blood. And when we detach from the church because we had an argument with someone, we have been played. And the enemy has won. And so understand that, that what is taking place, somebody may have hurt you and you, you may be innocent in all of it, but the enemy knows and they'll exploit it and they'll find an opportunity and they'll dig and they'll dig and they'll dig in order to inflict as much pain on us as possible. So demons are real. Number two, demons are real and they inflict suffering. Number three, when dealing with possible demonic situations, shoot in all directions. 
Here's what I mean by that. People ask, well, how do I know if I'm dealing with something demonic versus just the results of a fallen world? Right, I already said, don't assume everything is demonic. Uh, It could be a mental disorder. Uh, It could be a mental illness, Tourette's syndrome or schizophrenia. Uh, you know, could resemble some demonic activity, but we, we don't want to just quickly assume in this. Shoot in both directions. I'll unpack that just a little bit. Um, if someone tells me there's a ghost in their house, and I've had people say this often, can you come to my home and pray over my home there's a ghost or there's a spirit or there's a demon? Because the door keeps slamming. My first thing is I'm looking for a breeze. I just am. Now, I'm also not excluding that something spiritual is going on, but I'm shooting in both directions, right? I'm not going in, sprinkling everything, and just, you know, thinking that I don't know. And so I would suggest that you shoot in both directions. And if we're honest with ourselves as Christians, the last place that we shoot is often spiritual. There have been times that my wife and I have been Uh, in the thick of darkness and despair and struggling. And we just thought, well, it's our schedule, it's our health, it's the kid's season of life, and it's all this. And there have been times we're into it for three months, and and, and one of us will say, you know, we're going to bed exhausted again, and, you know, we're at odds with one another. One of us will say, is it possible that we're under spiritual attack? Because we didn't even consider it. Because I'm always considering the natural first, right? And so we have to train ourselves to shoot in both directions. In other words, don't go running off labeling depression as automatically being demonic. If there's a chemical imbalance, by all means, take the medication. There's no guilt and there's no shame in that for followers of Christ, right? But I will also tell you that there, as somebody who has struggled with depression, that there have been seasons where the hopelessness and the despair in me was not because of a chemical imbalance, but because I was being influenced by demons. Now, not possessed, but that there was an attack over me for a specific season that was wearing me down and, 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 and sucking the hope and life out of me. And so engage the things that you are going through on both levels, because you don't know. It may be something spiritual. And it wasn't until I began to battle those things on a spiritual level, it wasn't until then, uh, until I began to see some victory uh, over those things. And so uh, engage in both both ways. Shoot in the natural, uh, but also shoot in the spiritual. Uh, What else may be causing this? Is there something else aggravating it? Is it a mixture of both? Get it checked out by a doctor, but let's also see if there's something more that's taking place, right? You'll know when you begin to engage in things on a spiritual realm, you'll know if there's something going on there. And so there's times when I'm praying for someone, I may pray in that direction. Lord, if there's anything spiritual going on here, we ask that you would expose it. You would shine your light in that darkness. The darkness would be illuminated, that you would give us wisdom as to what's taking place. We're claiming this person as a child of the kingdom of God. Then we'll just see what, you know, what, what's going to happen. See, see if there's any attack. That's coming against them. So when dealing with uh, demons, shoot in all directions. Number four, engage wisely. Now what I mean by that is um, do not treat our enemy lightly. So I've heard uh, some popular TV evangelists and, you know, people who have said things uh, trash-talking Satan, and I've heard them literally say things like, I dare you, Satan, to come after me and my family. 
You know, like there's this boisterous claim, you know, I dare you to knock it off my shoulder. Like that's not scriptural, right? We don't see that in scripture to kind of approach this thing lightly. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, there's some authority. Jesus called Satan the prince uh, or ruler of this age. The idea there, the prince or ruler is archon. That was, in secular terms, someone who had the most authority and jurisdiction over a region. And so the word that Jesus applied to him was a word that carried some respect and some, uh, uh, some authority, right? Now, nothing that we need to be concerned about. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But we do not engage lightly. Look at Jude 1.9. This is an odd passage. Maybe you want to study it on your own. Um, but it says, But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, meaning Satan, but said, The Lord rebuke you. And so here's the spiritual battle taking place. And even Michael, the archangel, was like, Look, the battle belongs to the Lord. And so I'm not going to just kind of step out in this thing flippantly, but instead he's bringing the name of Jesus into this battle. Um, You don't need fancy prayers. You don't need relics. You don't need trinkets. You don't need holy water to be sprinkled over your doorpost. Uh, It's Jesus and Jesus alone. It's the power of Jesus. Jesus who conquered the grave. Jesus who died on the cross and three days later was resurrected. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the Jesus who is inside of you. And so this, this idea of, of, of dealing with the demonic, engage wisely. I'd suggest that we are not uh, flippant in this, but understand that it's Jesus who is within us. So if I'm praying for someone uh, and there seems to be some type of demonic activity going on, let's say they begin to tick or they're like, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, sometimes it's, you know, instant, it's, it's more extreme. Uh, I will always try to remain engaged with the person that I'm dealing with. Um, I've seen people early in life, you know, get into this thing of talking to the demons and um, I know some of you are like, this is really weird, but I've seen this numerous times. And, um, you know, I've seen him talking to the demons for so long. I'm like, why don't you just ask him out already? I mean, it was weird. It's like, how long are we going to do this thing? And so I, I suggest stay engaged with the person that you're talking, uh, that you're praying for. What are they feeling? What are they sensing? Are they a follower of Christ? Uh, uh, do their hearts need to be aligned with the things of God? The greatest weapon you have is Jesus in you and Jesus that is in them. And so to have them engaged in the process of them praying uh, over their spirit or or, or over this this attack that's over them, the best thing I found is is get them to pray with you in the name of Jesus for this attack to to leave them. And so, uh, you know, remain calm, a loud voice doesn't mean more authority, uh, and, and, you know, address these things in uh, the name and in the power uh, of Jesus. So be wise to the supernatural. Uh, last two, uh, do not flirt with evil. Because demons are real, things like seances and mediums and contacting the dead and Ouija boards and fortune tellers are doorways that open ourselves up to demonic activity and attack when we participate in these occult practices. It always has baffled me why, uh, why Christians who serve the creator of the universe, the seen and the unseen, will feel the need to go to Madame Monique to ask if today's going to be a good day based upon their horoscopes. I just never got it. Here's your answer. 
This is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it, right? So I've always wondered, like, you have the creator of all things who conquered the grave, who died for your sins, Jesus, all power and authority, and yet I got to pay $3 a minute to Madame Monique? Come on. We're being duped into this stuff, right? We're getting pulled into occult practices and we don't even know it. Jesus is like, what are you doing? I'll, I'll tell you for free. Just ask me, right? And so don't flirt with evil. Um, don't play with it. Don't dabble in it. Um, stay clear of those things, man, especially if you have some lineage in your family where these things have hit. In my family, there's some lineage of those things. Some, you know, I can go back into generations and see things that have happened with, uh, you know, we come from a line of some gypsies and stuff like that on, on, on certain sides of our family. It's like, mm, that stuff really circulates around my family. And so, you know, those are things like, I've told my kids since they, they were young, these aren't things you want to play with right? Stay away from these things. Don't flirt with evil. And then the last thing is, I know this can be overwhelming and it seems odd, but no fear, right? Here's the good news. First John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You see, fear is not of God. We know this to be true, right? 2 Timothy 1.6. Let me end reading to you Ephesians 1. Right? Here, here is the Jesus that we serve. I pray, Paul's praying for the church of Ephesus. I want you to just imagine him praying for us now. I pray, reveal, that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above, Jesus is far above, any ruler, any authority, any power, or any leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God has put how much? All things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over how much? All things. Why? For the benefit of his church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So... There is a spiritual battle that's taking place. But baby, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we don't have to dance around in fear of this because Jesus has already been given authority over all realms, over all spiritual beings everywhere in this age and also in the age to come. So we live in a fallen world polluted by demonic forces with pull that pull us towards sin, pull us towards bitterness, pull us towards compromising our kingdom values, pull towards selfishness and greed, pull towards hate and pull towards racism and elitism, pull towards words that hurt others. But glory to God that Jesus has overcome the world and that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Now, here's how we're going to close. I gave a challenge to our church first service. I was extremely proud how they they responded. I'm going to give you the challenge as well. 
uh, I want to pray for you. And maybe while uh, the message was going on, you kind of had an aha moment, a light bulb that went off that you're thinking, you know what, some of what I'm experiencing right now is not just natural. There is demonic influence. I'm not talking possession. I'm just saying demonic influence, right? Listen, part of the reason why I, I try to be transparent and I share my struggles with depression or whatever that is, is because we're in this thing together. And so I'm hoping that you understand that when I share my vulnerability, that it gives you permission to be vulnerable as well. And so maybe while we were talking, um, just this idea that some of what I'm experiencing is not natural, but it is spiritual in nature. And I'm going to want to pray for you. And so I just want us to sit for a moment. I'm going to pray. Uh, And then when I pray, I'm going to ask that you would be bold. I understand it's awkward, but I'm going to ask that you would come over here, and then I'm going to ask our leaders to come over and pray for you with authority in their prayers. All right, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, If nobody comes forward, wouldn't it be great to think, hey, there's no spiritual attack going on with anyone in the church? We know that's not true, right? It's just that fear has kind of kept us away. Um, But I want you to just sit with me in silence just for a moment. Just kind of push everything else aside. Would you just listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit? For some of you, you're going to get an impression of something that you're going through in life. That's God speaking to you. That there's a spiritual element in that. Some of you, you may get a picture in your mind's eye. Some of you, you don't even need to wait. You know what it is. There's just been an onslaught that's coming against you. So Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Holy Spirit, give us boldness as a church community. Give us the freedom to be vulnerable with one another. We're inviting the power of God to rest upon us. Holy Spirit, come. We pray that you would bear your mighty strong arm for those who are engaged in a spiritual battle right now. And we would ask that you would break any assignment that would be over anyone in this room. We're asking for the power of the resurrected Christ to fill this place, to fill each individual. proud of you. Now, if you feel that you need someone to pray over a situation that is not just natural, but there's something spiritual that's going on, I'm going to ask that you'd be bold and join these two other men over here.
I will tell you what I told first service. I am proud of this church. And I am proud of the culture that we try to establish that we can all be vulnerable with one another. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. You guys can just spread out in the back there, if you don't mind. Now, here's what I'm going to need. Uh, I'm going to need uh, people to pray for these individuals. Now, look, what cannot happen is I'm going to release you in a moment, and we're going to stay behind and pray for these. Can't have people up here with no one to pray for them. Right? Scripture is clear that we rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. This is the practical application of that passage. And so I'm going to ask that you would come up and you would ask these men and women what it is that's going on and that you would give them a short answer of what's taking place, right? Short answer as to what's taking place. I would want you to listen both naturally and spiritually. Asking the Holy Spirit, what is taking place here? What's going on here? And then I'm going to ask that you would pray for them. And that no small, God bless them prayers, right? Aggressive prayers in the name of Jesus, asking the Spirit of God to bind any activity that is coming against the people of God. And then I would ask that you would ask them after you pray, what are you sensing? What are you feeling? And if they're feeling something, if they're sensing something, that you would continue to pray in that direction. Does that make sense? So I just don't want, I'm asking no 15 second prayer, but let's actually invest uh, in our church body that said, I would like someone to stand with me in this gap, to stand with me against uh, the uh, schemes of the enemy that seek to bring us down. And I'm proud of you for your boldness. And so uh, if you can pray I'm going to ask that you would come up now as I begin to pray. This is not, has nothing to do with you. This is the spirit of Jesus that is in you. And so asking that, Giovanni, come on up if you would, please. Just find someone that you maybe feel led to. Emmanuel and Joyce, if you would like to pray, I'd love that. Um, find someone that you feel led to. Ask them, how can I pray for you? What is taking place? What's happening? Uh, and listen Listen to how the Spirit is moving, and then engage in that prayer. Um, you guys can spread out as much as you want, so you can hear. Some of you may want to pull over this way. Yep, don't be shy about pulling someone over, okay? All right, church, uh, join me uh, as we uh, pray and we close out the service. If you kind of held back, uh, it's not too late to have someone pray for you. Holy Spirit, ask that you would come. I pray that you would uh, release any darkness that is over us, any assignment that is over us, it's good to see you. any assignment that is over us, uh, and that you would uh, free us uh, in this, we pray. And I would ask that for all of us in this church, that we, our eyes, spiritual eyes, would be open to the spiritual attacks that come against us because we're children of God and the enemy wants to pull us away. And so I want to speak wisdom over our church to understand when the enemy is coming against us and that we would stand against those things. 
We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Bold prayers, church. Remember to ask them what they're sensing, what are they feeling, is anything taking place within them. We pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I'm going to go ahead and release you. God bless you. Look forward to next week. I think we're going to do one more series, talk about the spiritual battle of the mind next week. It's a great opportunity for you to invite friends and family to. Uh, I won't be talking about demons, so you can be a little uh, more at ease there. So God bless you guys.